Welcome to Hive Mind. I am in the studio with Eli McCann. Hey, Eli, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Uh, tell me what you've been watching. Uh, several movies. Yeah. Um, so I watched Let Them All Talk. Oh, what do you think? On your recommendation. I don't know what to think about this <laughs> yeah, movie. Yeah, it's kind of one of those. So, nothing happens in it. No- I mean, nothing happens until the very, very end. end. The very end. But I wasn't bored. Yeah. I, I was just kind of like sitting with these people. Meryl Streep's great, obviously. You know who I thought was the standout performance was, um, I can't think of her name suddenly. Candace Burton. Not Candace Burton. The other one. The other one. What is her Diane name? Diane. What? Weiss. We, we, West, Weast. Weast. Isn't Weast. it Weast? Weast. Diane Weast. I'm so sad that She's I couldn't think of everything. that. She's in everything. And I would have thought. Weast. W-E-I-S-S. Yeah. I would have thought that she would have been kind of the weak link of the movie. But I actually thought she was kind of the strongest performance. She was really entertaining. She was interesting to watch. Yeah. You disagree. No, I, I, I. I think that she's the strongest performance in everything she's in. Oh, you do? Yeah, I oh, think she's always. Were you giving really... me side eye for saying for expecting her to? That's fail. what the side eye. Was what else for. do you like her in? Did you ever see Rabbit Hole? Uh uh-uh. uh Rabbit Hole is very good, very sad, but she's really good in it. Huh. Um, she's uh, she's in a whole bunch of indie stuff, usually as the mom, and she always makes it really good and fun. Okay. So. I yeah, she's she's fantastic in it. I think I recommend this movie. Uh, go watch Let Them All Talk, but expect for nothing really to happen. Like mm-hmm. you, you are watching it just to see three really, really great actors interact with one another for two hours. Yeah, I also think Lucas Hedges is great in it too. He's he's okay. They're outperforming him though. Like yeah. you can tell that like they have Did years you, of experience doing what, this. What publication was it? I think it was Vanity Fair, but it was an interview with Lucas Hedges talking about how he's worked with the Queens of Hollywood. Yeah. And his relationships to all of them and how he is like very happy to play second fiddle to their performance. Interesting. It yeah. was, it's a really fun read. His I think his best performance is Lady Bird. He is so He's very good. So I never good saw Ben is back, did you? I don't know that movie. Okay, well mm-hmm. then no, you haven't seen it. I saw you know, he was in Three Billboards, which I know you hated. I hated. Um and he's fine in that. And then he was in that uh conversion therapy movie that I've never been able to get myself to watch. No, and it never it, it we, there was like a lot of buzz around it and then it came out and no one Nobody was talking knew. about it, so it must not have been very good. Yeah. Uh, so Skyler and I watched Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Have you heard of this? No, tell me. Viola Davis. Um, it's got Oscar buzz right now, so that's okay. why we watched yeah. it. Uh, it's set 1927 in Chicago, and it's about a blues singer. You barely recognize Viola Davis in this. It's really oh, interesting. Okay. She's a blues singer, and it's I. I understand it was a play turned into a movie, and I will say. It's very good. Her performance is incredible in it. Yeah. The music is really fun in it. I have kind of a hard time usually with plays turned into movies Mm -hmm. because it's just a lot of extremely long scenes of people kind of walking around a room chatting with each other. Yeah. And what about doubt? Doubt. Okay, great example. Doubt is doubt did what I wish more movies would do when they're converting a play to a to a film, which is in doubt. They realized, okay, we're we're doing a movie, so we can actually have like some different sets. We can actually move around to different rooms. We can, yep. you know, 
we can bring in different characters. We, we have the capacity to have a lot more of an audience. So like if you show mass, we can actually have hundreds of people there. Yeah. And so they do it. And so Doubt does have really long dialogue heavy scenes. They're incredible. Doubt yeah. is one of my favorite movies of all time. But I'm never bored watching Doubt. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is like pretty much the whole movie takes place in one room in a basement. And they're just in this basement talking for like two hours. And it's kind of hard okay. to sit okay. through. Um, I think I recommend it, though, just to see Viola Davis. Uh, she, she's really, really great at it. Yeah. Um, and then last night, I started, I tried to watch this thing that Netflix recommended. I think it's called The History of Swear Words or something. <laughs> Have you seen this thing? <laughs> no. <laughs> it is the weirdest. I want to look up the exact name so that people, Netflix, um, History of Swear Words, that is what it is called. It's hosted by Nicolas Cage. Sure. And he's really annoying in it. <laughs> and they just go through like each swear word. It's like a series. So like the first episode is on the F word and they're like, this is where it came from. This is why people like that it. That is actually an interesting story. It is, yeah. It, 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 the history. So, okay. So here's the thing. <laughs> they spend a little bit of the episode talking about the origins of the word. Yeah. And I, I started the series because I want that information. I'm like, that's kind of fascinating. Yeah. But then they spend the rest of it just interviewing people about why they like to use the word. Oh, and it's just like, that's just lazy. Yeah, I don't really need this yeah. part. So I don't think I recommend it. But if Netflix has been trying to get me to watch it, so I finally gave in, probably skip that one if, it, if Netflix okay. is trying to get you to watch it. Okay. That's what I've been watching. What about you? Um, okay, so I've watched a couple of movies that came out of Sundance, obviously, in twenty early 2020. Um, the first is Bad Education, which you can watch on HBO Max. Have you heard about this movie? Right. Uh, remind me what it's about. Yeah. Well, okay. I went into it having absolutely no idea what uh -huh. it was about. It stars Alice and Janney and Hugh Jackman. Mm -hmm. And they, Hugh Jackman is a superintendent of a Long Island school district. And Alice and Janney is, she handles the business side of things mm -hmm. in this school district. And we started this movie and the vibe is... It almost feels like Steven Soderbergh, but it's not quite Steven Soderbergh. But there's kind of this like casual, I don't want to say it's slow, but it's there's room to breathe and it's like fun. And I was like, where are they going with this? Because they're just kind of introducing me to all these people and I'm not really sure what's going to happen here. And then it takes a wild turn. Uh, I don't want to tell you what happens because okay. I think it's kind of more fun to just watch it. There is a, I think it was the Daily Beast who ran an article or maybe New York Magazine, but it's called The Bad Superintendent. If you wanted to read that prior to seeing this movie, it might be kind of fun to have the history. It's based on a true story. It's some really fun performances from everyone in it. Okay. Is this, this kind of sounds familiar. Did NPR or like This American Life do a story on this? Is it about a superintendent who is crazy? And like mob boss, basically. No, okay, no, 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 no. I know else. what you're talking about. Okay. I listened to that, and it's different. Okay. It's not that. Okay, gotcha. but you should still watch it. Okay. Um, and then okay, I know, I know. CDC says don't go to movie theaters. I'm excited to hear you talk about this. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Be careful. Be safe. Be careful. I went to a movie theater. I 
felt very safe. And I may not understand the rules as well as I should, but really it was me and a friend and one other person in the movie theater, and we were very spread out and wearing masks. So judge me if you want. I deserve it. But I was dying to see Promising Young yeah. Woman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you know about this I movie. I do, and Skyler and I were have been excited to see it for a long time. So it, it was very buzzy at Sundance. It is written by the writer of Fleabag Season 2, who has collaborated with uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge on a number of projects. Mm-hmm. This movie, I don't even... It is... Such an important movie. Mm-hmm. Not only is it good, it is a very good movie, but it is a movie I want everybody to see. Really? It's a movie about sexual assault, but it's a movie about sexual assault that has never... It's a story about sexual assault that has never been told before, and I think it's going to make a lot of people really uncomfortable and have to face some really hard parts of themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, most especially men who think that they're good guys. Mm. Um, it's kind of a condemnation of men who are complicit by thinking that they're good guys and what role they're playing in what is for a lot of women the destruction of their lives. Mm. Um, this movie is very smart. It's very witty. And it's very heartbreaking. It is adult. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to watch. But I do want everyone to see it. I'm excited to see it. And but you can only see it in theaters, though. Yes, they're not streaming it till July, which I think is a mistake. Yeah. And I, it's not like an action movie. You don't have to have a theater experience to appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I got to say, it's just like Bo Burnham is in it. Oh. Uh, Max Greenfield is in it. Carrie Mulligan is the star of it. Mm-hmm. Connie Britton is in it. Oh, I didn't know she was in it, too. I don't want to give too much away, but they cast some really lovable people in a way that's manipulative might be the best word. Oh, okay. I just, I don't want to tell you too much about this because I think it's a movie you have to go and experience and sit with, like really sit with. Like I couldn't shake it after seeing it and I'm obsessed with it and I just think it's a really important story. Cool. That needed to be told. Cool. Uh, and then we've been watching Seinfeld, so yeah, whatever. <laughs> we, for this episode, well, end of last year, why were we talking about this? We were talking about it, and you mentioned that you'd never you seen saw, Citizen Kane. because you saw Mank. Because I saw Mank. You had never seen Citizen Kane, mm-hmm. so I was like, let's do it. Got you on the hook to watch it. Yeah. Eli, tell me about it. Tell me about your first time seeing Citizen Kane. Okay. I am about, I know I'm going to say, like, the most obvious things about this movie, and I'm going to start it with a very obvious thing. This movie is freaking incredible. Like, I I honestly thought that I was going to go into this and I was going to be like, this is really boring, what a trash movie, but I can see why it was, you know, groundbreaking for its time, blah, 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 blah. I mean, I think I texted you at like the halfway point of this movie, and I was just like, this is incredible. I was glued to this film. I was not bored for a second watching it. And when it ended, I was sad it was over. I was like, I wish there was another 30 minutes of this. It is outrageously good. The story is incredible. I have rarely seen more complex character development happen in a movie. I, I, I can't even think of a comparison to it. And 
every scene is like packed with people interacting with one another who have such different and complex uh, and competing motivations. Yeah. And it like you watch these scenes and it's just like I you you can tell that you're watching a masterpiece with this movie. And like obviously like everything that we're about to say about it for the next however long we're going to talk about it are all things that people I'm sure have said a million times before. But like if you have not seen Citizen Kane, you should watch it. It is a great, great ex- viewing experience. Yeah, this is my this was my third time seeing it. Uh, I think I'm at a clip of about once every 15 years. And I think that I will when I am, whoa, 50. Whoa. <laughs> oh, I just saw Meg's life flash oh, before her I'm, eyes. I'm going to need to take a minute uh, in another 15 years. I will watch this again, and I think I'll have a different perspective on it then because I saw this first when I was however old. Mm-hmm. Um, 20? No, but 15 years prior to that. That's 15 oh, years isn't right. Gotcha. Now I'm lost in the math. But I saw okay. it as like a preteen, Yeah. and I really liked it. But yeah. I think I really liked the like, what's Rosebud mm-hmm. of it? You know, mm-hmm. that's the part that got me. And then I watched it in college in a communications class and at that point I was like wow what is it to run a newspaper who are these guys who are the people who really instituted like the press in America that was the part that was interesting to me and this time I'm watching it I'm like oh this is a this is it was interesting to watch this right after soul you know Mm -hmm. what is a purpose what are what are we all trying to prove what Mm -hmm. is my life's work what is happiness is what I was watching it for this time and i any of those lenses are interesting. They are. And worth watching it through. And you almost need that many different viewings and beyond to appreciate this movie from those different mm-hmm. angles. Yeah. I can't believe it was made in 1941. I can't believe that. And in the middle of, you know, or beginning of World War II, it's kind of interesting to watch it with that perspective. They actually show clips of Hitler at one point. So if you haven't seen the movie, it's basically just about a man who dies and his last word he says is Rosebud. And so this newspaper is trying to investigate to figure out what Rose, what the significance of Rosebud is because this guy was very wealthy. He was famous. And so the movie sort of goes through his life as these people from the newspaper are interviewing people that knew him to try and figure out what Rosebud is. And it's sort of this biography of this man's life told not in chronological order, which is very interesting. Mm-hmm. So it's very sporadic. It's told from different perspectives with people who have different motivations. Um, and then in the end, you kind of get a, something of a resolution on the rosebud, what it means, which I kind of don't want to spoil. If you don't know the end of Citizen Kane by I now, yeah, you didn't, I did didn't, you not know? No idea. I, Meg, I didn't know. You're going to hear so many jokes now where you're going to be like, oh. I did not know what this movie was about before I watched it. I didn't know anything about it. Well, so, okay, the in the end, um, the newspaper is unable to discover what rosebud means. And so they're they're just sort of like, well... You know, it'll just be a mystery, you know, and they, mm-hmm. they kind of have this speech about you know, what a man's purpose in life is and whatever else. And and the very last scene, they're throwing uh, Citizen Kane, they're throwing his stuff into a fire to burn it. And um, within that fire, the camera kind of slowly zooms in on a sled that he had as a child that says Rosebud on it. And it's like the brand of the sled. And meaning, I think, that this man, like, who had everything, who had all this money, who had all this fame and power, the the last thing that he was, you know, thinking about and still reaching for was, like, the innocence of his youth before his life kind of took a turn and, and he lost control of it. Um, anyway, 
it's it is so interesting how they develop this character of Kane, the, mm-hmm. the main character. Mm-hmm. I kept thinking about It's a Wonderful Life, which is a movie that came out around the same time and has a lot of very similar themes. But in It's a Wonderful Life, you have these two, you sort of have this melodramatic like villain and the, the hero, right? George Bailey is the hero and then Mr. Potter or whatever, the, yeah. the you know mean rich man in the town, whatever else. Citizen Kane takes those two personalities and then some others and mixes them together in this one main character. And like you watch this movie and Kane is like such a complex person. He's he's not good. He's not bad. He's not, you know, you can't simplify him in that way. He's doing a lot of good things. He's doing a lot of selfish things. Um, he's a very mixed up person. And it's really, really interesting to watch that happen and watch the people around him kind of grapple with the fact that this is a complex person like we all are. Yeah. And I, I think that it must have been pretty groundbreaking for a movie in 1941 to take on developing a character that's that complex, you know, th- oh, yeah. this early in film history. Um, I want to go back to the sled for a bit, because when you watch it back, knowing the end from the beginning, the sled is actually really prominent yeah. throughout the movie. Uh, the... The hook of this is that his family, the Kane family, inherits an oil fortune. Uh, and so his mother decides that instead of him living with her and his abusive father, she is going to send him to essentially be trained in the ways of high society. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's sending him with a man who's a banker and is going to essentially raise him. And um, what's his name in it? What's his character? Yeah, but what's his first name? Uh, uh, Hank Her- Harold. I can't remember either. Oh, that's really funny. Hold on, just a second. I have the IMDb pulled up right here. Oh, you know what? Orson Welles isn't crediting himself in this. Huh. Anyway, he beats off this banker with a sled, the sled. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's he been out playing go. with it. He doesn't want to go. He wants mm-hmm. to stay with his mom in their little house and play with other kids. Um and. Later in a board meeting, this banker years and years later said, yeah, he originally tried to beat me away with a sled, mm-hmm. which I know is like a little bit on the nose of symbolicism, but it was 1941. Yeah. People weren't doing that, right? Like mm-hmm. that he had used this actual object that represents his youth and the simplicity and the happiness he could have had to beat away this life he didn't mm-hmm. want. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of interesting to watch. I have to talk about Mank a little bit. Mm-hmm. I've been pretty hard on that movie because it is like I just I think that there are a million different stories you could have told about Citizen Kane that would have been more interesting, Mm -hmm. especially since they didn't have special effects. And like the way they were doing things and the angles they were doing Mm -hmm. were they had to do manually, like everything in this movie, all the cool stuff you see. There were no computers to help them pull it off, you know, and that in and of itself is really impressive. Having watched Mank did give me a new perspective on Citizen Kane. The whole thing about Mank is his relationship to William Randolph Hearst, who Citizen Kane is based on. Oh. And how it pretty much ruined Mank's life to write this movie. He never worked again. Uh, William Randolph Hearst made sure that his life was ruined after Mm. this. So I am glad I saw Mank. I do think I need to eat crow a little bit and say that if you've watched Citizen Kane, you should probably go watch Mank to understand it. Okay. 
a little better. Okay. I'm excited to check it out. It is. I don't, I, tell me if you like it. Okay. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, I think it's the way they did the newsreel at the beginning of this mm. movie is really smart. Because like you said, they don't do his life in chronological order. Mm-hmm. And they don't give you everything. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they give you this newsreel. For like 15 minutes. The first it's, 15 it's minutes long. of the movie. And, and at one point you're like, is this the movie? Yeah, exactly. And it's a little... It's a little hard to follow. So if you're going to watch Citizen Kane, what I would say is make sure you focus for the first 15, like truly focus for the first 15 minutes because they throw a lot of info at you and it's in like old newsy speak. And so it's like a little bit kind of catch. It caught me off guard. And then and then once you get through the newsreel, then it it's a lot kind of easier to track what's happening for the rest of the movie. But anyway, you were saying. Uh, I just, it was such a good way to provide a biography and then get that out of the way and then really dive into what made this person end up where he ended up as shown Mm -hmm. in that newsreel. Um, And it made sense because he was a news guy. He was a public figure. It was just such a smart device. Yeah. It really was. And it was it was so clever of them to, you know, to do that, to to decide a viewing audience doesn't need a story told in chronological order. They can still appreciate this. And that had to be a huge risk that they were taking. Um, I was I read this article this week. I've been reading a bunch of stuff about it because I'm just so curious about how this movie was made. And one thing that I read that was really fascinating is prior to 1941, you know, film was very, very new. Yeah. And. Um, this article kind of made the argument that film wasn't viewed as sort of this high art form. Mm. It was like this very, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like a novel written by Dostoevsky, you know, it was novels at the time they became prominent were viewed as trash too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When, when novels were first started being written, whatever. Um, and Orson Welles came along and reportedly thought no film films should be high art. Yeah. And so he treated Citizen Kane as though it was a masterpiece. And that hadn't really happened prior to 1941 when people made movies. It was just like, ah, let's get a story out there, yeah. you know, and it, and, and so the Hail Caesar model, the Hail Caesar model, very, you know, kind of simple factory made movies, basically one camera angle pointing at two people talking to each other, you know, clickety clack, talk, 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 you know, like it's mm-hmm. uh, with their transatlantic accents and that's sort of it. And and. Uh, Orson Welles came along and was like, no, we can tell a story through so many different mechanisms. We can tell a story through camera angles. We can tell a story through, you know, staging. We can tell a story through these special effects that we're going to create. Um, so one one that they mentioned in this article that I read was uh, the scene where the child, Kane, is out playing in the snow and his parents are inside talking to this banker and kind of arranging his life for him. Um, the camera shows the kid out in the snow and then slowly backs up, backs up, backs up until you realize that the camera is coming from inside the house. Mm -hmm. And it keeps backing up through the house. And they had cut furniture in half so that the camera could back through like a table. And then as soon as the camera got through the table, they had people push the table together so that when it came into view, it looked like the camera had just like gone through the table. So like that kind of stuff wasn't really being attempted. Nobody really even thought about, like, it matters how we do the camera angle. They were only viewing film from the perspective of, you just need to be able to see what's happening. And Orson Welles came along and was like, 
A, you don't always need to be able to see what's happening. And B, it will make the storytelling a lot more interesting if we play with what people can see. What's really wild about Citizen Kane, too, is in 1941, uh, microphones were really bad. Hmm. So shooting on location was not an option. So those are all sets. Everything you see in that movie is a set. Like there's a minute when they're on a train. That's a train inside of a train they built for like a 10 second shot. And Xanadu is all a set. Like it's huge palace. It's wild. The work they put into this. Um. To your point, my capstone class at BYU as an English major was screens, Mm -hmm. uh, the storytelling through screens and this prejudice we all have that a screen can't tell us the same stories as a book can Mm -hmm. and whether there's merit to that. And I think that we are seeing a shift, um, a gradual shift in like the golden age of television, Mm -hmm. right? Like TV can tell us good stories. TV used to be like the bottom of the totem pole, but now we're getting like all these really interesting, even sitcoms, like The Good Place is Mm -hmm. technically a sitcom and Mm -hmm. it's giving us things we've never thought about. And um, I sometimes I carry a lot of guilt because I don't read as much as I should, Mm -hmm. but I'm like getting stories and I'm listening, Mm -hmm. you know, like maybe we're just changing the way we're reading, quote unquote. Yeah. And I think that he was maybe the start of that to say like, actually... Let's turn this into a higher art form. Let's. This is our career. Let's take it seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So, what do you think? Recommend? One hundred percent recommend. There, there is this scene in the movie that is one of the most well-written scenes I've ever seen in any movie, and it's uh, Kane is running for governor. Yeah. And he's he's running for governor because he wants to legitimately do some good things, but he starts threatening to imprison his political opponent, who I think is the current governor. And so the current governor responds to that by investigating and finding out that Kane is having an affair. Yeah. And he um, blackmails the mistress to write a letter to Kane's wife, inviting her to come to the mistress's apartment so that she can reveal this affair. And so Kane's wife is like holds up the letter and she's like, I'm going to this apartment. You can come with me or not. Yeah. And she's she already, you know, kind of knows what's going to happen. So he goes with her. So Kane and his wife show up in the apartment of the mistress and the governor is there as well because he's waiting for them to arrive so that he can be like, you need to drop out of this race or I'm going to expose this. And the four of them have this conversation for about five minutes that is a masterpiece Mm -hmm. where all four people in that room have completely different and complex motivations for what they're doing. The mistress feels so much guilt because she's just ruined this man's career and she's trying to talk him out of dropping out of the race. And But then she's also like, but you also need to protect your wife and your son from this information. So maybe you should drop out. And the governor's trying to strong arm them. The governor's doing it because he's being blackmailed or basically being threatened to be imprisoned. Mm-hmm. And Kane is like upset because he wants to do this good, but he's just been caught doing this bad. And he feels bad about his wife and his son. And the wife is, you know, has her whole thing. And it is like, that scene ended and I just like immediately rewound and like watched it again because I was so much happens in it. And I just think it's it's really impressive when you think about the fact that film was so new. There wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot to draw from, you know, yeah. it, and they were able to create something that was that articulate and impressive in something that 
you know, it has obviously stood the test of time, you know, watching it now, I was just like, this is still incredible writing. And not not a lot of movies from that era stand up, hold up in that way. Yeah. You know, a, a lot of a lot of movies, if you watch movies from like the 40s or 30, 30s, a lot of those movies are interesting because they're old. Yeah. But they're not like if they were they're made. They're not actually good. They're not actually good. <laughs> yeah. As we consider movies to be good today, yeah. but it's like, oh, it's kind of interesting to see a 1938 film, you yeah. know? But this is good by today's standards for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's incredible writing, honestly. It's, um, it is a masterpiece, and <sighs> you should watch Mank. I hate to say it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to watch it this weekend. Um, I I like that scene. I think it's so interesting to watch the difference between his wife, uh, Emily, and his mistress, Susie. And Emily's obviously a bit older, um, and Susie's a bit younger, and their motivations in that scene, and how uh, poised Emily is, and how resigned she is, and how desperate Susie seems, and how willing she is to do whatever it will take to make... Um, Orson Welles or Citizen Kane happy mm-hmm. um, and how that plays out in the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. I think the representation of their marriage afterward and his need for her to succeed as an opera singer, something she doesn't even want, Yeah, how reflective that is of who he has become, Yeah, which of course leads back to his relationship to his abusive father. Like it's just, it's a very... Very intelligent movie. Yeah. And so groundbreaking for the time it was written. It was the first, I think, anti-hero. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And that's now like our most common yeah. character. There, There's a, a quote from the movie that I think sums up a lot of what he is. And it's about maybe a third of the way into the movie he's talking to a business associate. And at this point, I think he's probably in his 40s. And they're talking about some things that he's doing and what he's trying to accomplish in his career. And he says to the man, you know, sometimes I wonder if I hadn't been rich, I might have been a really good man. Yeah. And that's not the exact quote, but it's something along those lines. And it's it like sums up kind of the character that they're trying to show you, which is like somebody who's good at their core, but has been corrupted in a lot of ways and is grappling with that and feels guilt and terror over that, but can't quite figure out why or how that's happened. Yeah, and the Mm self-awareness where he's like almost, there's almost enough of it to be good, but not enough to keep him from becoming the miserable old man he becomes. Yeah. Citizen Kane, maybe you've heard of it. (laughs) A hot take from Hive Mind. (laughs) We recommend a flick called Citizen Kane. (laughs) Um, Thank you for listening. Please remember, leave us a good rating and review. Uh, tell your friends about Hivemind. Uh, and uh, subscribe to the Hivemind podcast, hivemind.substack.com. And we will be back next week. 